Hello and welcome to another edition of Turn Out a Punk Footnotes. I am one of your hosts, Damien Abraham, and your other host, as always, is my friend and your friend too, Chris O'Toole. Chris, how you doing, buddy? Good, buddy. What are you doing? I'm I'm back. You know, it was a tour. I apologize for my my absence to you, um, but uh, <laughs> I have returned. And uh, I am I am very happy to be home talking to you again. Well, likewise, my friend. Um, and uh, how have you been? Same old man. Nothing changes. <laughs> Nothing changes. Well, we've got uh, we got two episodes to talk about today. Yeah. Um, we've got a lot to get into. Uh, but uh, I guess before we do, any show reviews, any music things you want to get to? Hi, hi. Um. I feel like I did see a punk rock concert in your absence, but I cannot remember what it was. Now, we talked, we did the Not Dead Yet review last time we did this. Uh, yeah. Maybe I didn't go to anything. I tried to hit one that I didn't go. I'm tr- uh, no, I guess I didn't hit anything in the last couple of weeks. I, uh, I did make it uh, to see some shows on tour. Um, oh, I nice. S- I saw this band fucked up play way too many times. <laughs> I also yeah. saw Candy, who are absolutely phenomenal and bad waitress who are all absolutely phenomenal as well uh great bands both different sorts of takes on punk rock one from virginia beach one from right here in southern ontario and uh yeah they're they were cool really cool bands to tour with really great and mill spec as well we did some dates with mill spec in the beginning yes. as well mutual friends put out a great record this year as well unlocking out unlocking yep. out locking out kind of Kind of, you know, still, still kind of signing all the good bands. Not all the good bands, but a lot of good bands. <laughs> that sounded like a backhanded compliment, but I know what you meant by it. No, no I mean, just Greg, <laughs> Greg's like that guy, right? Like, it's like I know. we're talking about Chris Dodge. Yeah. Um, and I think Chris Dodge is, is definitely like, he was the zeitgeist to an era in the same way Greg Mental was the zeitgeist to an era. But Greg Mental also continues to be right on top of, you know, the bands that are happening. That's a great – actually, that's a great point of discussion. It's funny we're hitting that right off the top of the show. But um, yeah, I agree. And I, I feel like you could probably take maybe a list of 10 names and you could nail down all of the vital eras through 10 people being yeah. a narrative. Be, and those two that you mentioned would be on there, on my list anyway. Yeah, like I think depending on what you're – the scope you're covering or the scene you're covering. But yeah, like, of course. Sorry. North American-centric, but yes. And DIY-centric, I'd say. Like, yes. You know, yeah. you know, I think once again, not two names you immediately think of when you think of like capital DIY. But at the same time, like two people that have done it DIY the whole time. I guess what I'm trying to say is – Regardless of that, whatever metric you want to use, I feel if I could name ten names, those two being on it, and 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 like say this is like I don't know, broadly turned punk or aggressive, you know, subcultural music of whatever type you want to say, this is it. And then there are eight other names on there. I think it would cover the swath that would give people what I believe to be the true identity of what this quote unquote subculture is. Yeah, I think and, and that's what I'm saying. And I like I think if you took last week's episode, um, or like or the Chris Dodge episode, I should say, where you're talking yeah. about fat records, you're talking about power violence stuff, yeah. you're talking about yep. doom and crust stuff, and you put it with next week's episode with Thurston Moore, 
Yeah. We're talking about like alternative stuff and, mm-hmm. and New York hardcore. And it's like, it's kind of like that is those two cover me perfectly and all my tastes in music pretty much. It I, agree. Punk yeah. rock. I agree. I, it's funny that you, you have Mr. Moore coming up because I, I have been on more of a kick lately. Um, with that, like what I my favorite period of Sonic Youth, which is that late late '80s into early '90s uh, period. Yeah, no, it's it's, dude. I'm I don't want to talk about next week's yeah, episode right no. now because I will. You you've already been forced to hear it enough from me, um, <laughs> ever since I cut it. But yeah, that is, oosh. It's next week's a monster. This week this week we've got two monster episodes. These are, I don't know. I like I say this every once in a while, but like there's a run of episodes that we'll kind of stumble upon where I'm like, damn, I could do this thing for fucking ever. Cause these are hitting all the right notes for me. And, and yeah, we've been on a run and talking about two today that kind of hit those notes for me. Yeah, for sure. We, we got sidetracked cause we're already kind of topics of, of discussion. So let's get your, uh, your business out of the way and whatever news and whatnot. Yeah. Okay. First of all, you, if you want to find this show on various forms of social media, there's a, Turned out a punk Instagram page, a turned out a punk Facebook page run by my brother, show producer Tristan Abraham. You can find me on various forms of social media at Left for Damien. Uh, if you would like to reach the show, this show, Chris, how do they do that? Uh, the There is an email address to reach us at turned out a punk uh, footnotes at gmail.com, spelled exactly as, 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 you, as you would think. And we're going to be dumping out that mailbag with a special mailbag episode very soon. So send in yeah. all your queries and concerns yeah. and, and uh, recommendations on where to find nature burgers and whatnot. <laughs> yeah, like I know, and I know we're like extremely neglectful as of late with that, but it is not uh, it is not intentional. No. And furthermore, um, if you if this is the period now, if you really want to send the things in that are going to get addressed in the next say month ish. Uh, where we finally tackle it. So please do. Uh, yeah. And uh, yeah, I think that I think that handles that part of the show. And now the other unfortunate part of the show we have to normally get to off the top, which is acknowledging a passing. Uh, this is time. It's going to be the passing of Todd Youth, sadly. Todd Youth, of course, Warzone and, and, and Murphy's Law, but really someone who's played with a multitude of artists. Like he, he's someone who became kind of a, a musician's musician and, and, and went all over the world playing in, in different bands. And, and really like you go to his discogs page and, and look at some of the records he played on. It's, it's amazing. Yeah. It's, uh, uh, that happened a, a little while ago while we were in absence, but, um, yeah, it's, it's sad. I think most people of, of your and I's sensibility, certainly, uh, were sort of profoundly hit with that one. And uh, mm-hmm. you kind of see it like on social media, you saw sort of a, a very understandable, uniformly uh, celebrated, um, you know, celebra- a life celebration, if you will, of his work and what have you. And I think that's like could not be more deserved. But mm-hmm. yeah, very sad. Definitely. Put on Glenn Campbell's record. Yeah, which is nuts. Like I didn't, that's the stuff you learned unfortunately in these kind of times is stuff like that. But yeah, I wasn't even like, because I, as, as established by this show, I'm not a huge Danzig aficionado. I wasn't even aware he had anything to do with any of those Danzig lineups. And I was kind of shocked to learn that. Not really shocked, but surprised or whatever. Yeah. And also played in son of Sam with friend of the show, Davey Havoc as well. Oh, I didn't know that either. 
Yeah. Yeah. No, he, he definitely played in, you know, um, you know, quite a few different bands over the years and, and someone who most recently playing in Fireburn. Yeah. Um, and uh, yeah, this uh, a very unfortunate tragedy that kind of came out of the blue from what I've understood. So once again, rest in peace, Todd youth and, and thank you for the music. And, uh, I'm sure there's places to donate money to family online um, that you can look up and, you know, people on social media are definitely talking about uh, different events that have happened so far, tribute shows and things like that. So, um, yeah, if you get in support um, in any way, you can. Yeah, agreed. And that's uh, and that's about uh, it, unfortunately, to the awkward transition part of the show and now to something that. Uh, has been making waves on social media for completely different reasons, but that is this uh, minor threat reunion pick. <laughs> yeah. Uh, I don't feel it's that, what you described it as, but yes, it's an interesting Well, it's, it's a reunion in the sense that they're reuniting, like maybe not to play music, thank God, but... Well, the yeah. actual, uh, via the Discord, um, uh, whatever you want to say, Instagram or whatever, uh, the, the caption is something like they meet annually or so, or like frequently for, yeah, frequently. It's trying to find the, uh, the, I'm going to look it up right now to see, to actually quote it properly. Yeah. They put an official <laughs> statement. People are getting a little, uh, a little excited, a little nervous, a little, you mean weird. they put up a statement after that saying it's not a re- reunited photo or like, or, uh, no, I think that was the first thing they put out, but like just people have been freaking out nonetheless because of that, huh? Yeah. I'm going to see right here. Cause the caption was interesting the way they worded it. Cause they worded it to not suggest that it's a reunion. My threat tries to get together every th- few years. That's what it says. Quote unquote to catch up with each other. Photo was taken yesterday as in, so that would have been the 16th of November, 2018, Porch is still looking great, although I have to admit that uh, you, you and I graced that porch better than most, if I don't say so myself. Yes, we did. We rocked although that porch. A million other people, including Tony Hawk recently, have also done it, but uh, regardless. Um, yeah, but yeah. Uh, I don't know. Do, do, I guess the question is you're asking, does this mean it is a reunion? Is that what is this? The, no, I know. I know they're, they're not playing music, thankfully, ever again, I don't think. Like, I think that. From hanging out that day, you know, the infamous Turned Out a Punk unrecorded episode that was the best episode ever um, with Ian <laughs> Mackay that only you and I got to witness. Yes. Uh, you know, it was pretty abundantly clear that, you know, this is someone who, you know, like has no ego trap in that regard. Like he doesn't need to – he doesn't need to do that to fulfill some part of his life or, you know – yeah, I think Fugazi always- could get back together. I honestly do think, and I've, I've been joking about that a lot, but I think if Beto O'Rourke does, uh, does <laughs> win, uh, there's a Fugazi reunion, 100%. It's all on Beto, eh? It's all on Beto, yeah. I, think, I, like, I just think that would be something that they would be willing to get behind and, and, and do. Yeah. Um, yeah. And I think Fugazi, it looks better than playing Fugazi songs than it does Minor Threat songs when I picture it in my head. And I am a ma- much bigger Minor Threat fan, as it has been clearly well established on the show over the years. But yes, I would. Yes. But I, I, would I, th- not... I know what you're saying. Yeah, I know what you're saying. I I never viewed Fugazi as actually like ending, if that makes sense. I just think they just it came and they were like, eh. And and I could like you see it happening possibly at one point in time again. 
Could you imagine Ian as like a grown adult running around on stage seeing guilty of being white? Mm. There's that's probably, not happening. Prob- probably not. Yeah. That is not happening. Yeah, you know, never or, or just a that. minor threat. Like he just seems to like, you know, understand history too well to know how tacky that would look. Yeah, yeah, that's that's well that's uh, that's well stated. Actually, I never thought of it in on in those terms. Uh, the other aspect of this that we're ignoring uh, slightly is that. Um, and it's not to say anybody who reforms or whatever is is not like this, but these people seem to have artistic pursuits uh, of their own at all times. So they don't perhaps yearn for, you know, doing the old thing as much as some other people would, right? So there's even a photo like two days earlier, sorry, I guess five days ago, pre- previous to this, where they, it's him and Joe, Lally and Amy. Uh, I don't know who Amy is. That is that his partner? That's his partner, yeah. Okay, I didn't know if that was... Anyway, they they have some seemingly new group. Yeah, they, they play so, the day after we play DC. Yeah, so, you know, there's... It's, you know, there are things always happening, so the need to, uh, you know, dig up dig up the old stuff is not as, uh, whatever, pertinent sometimes. I'm with you, though. I do think Beto O'Rourke could, could reunite Fugazi. <laughs> yeah, I see that happening. Like, you know, and it's... I don't know, like, I, minor threats like the one that I think out of all of them would just feel so weird getting back together. Like, it would feel really, like, it would feel like walking in on your parents having sex or, <laughs> like, it would just feel so gross, I think. Yeah, I, I think we need to, to, to also state very explicitly right now that why we feel this way is not because we have a problem with this. It's because I revere it to such a high yeah. regard that I, I would personally, selfishly at this point, like to never see it happen. Yeah, like uh, I, and that's what I'm thinking. I thought the photo was cool as shit, and it made me feel really warm inside to know that these people can still like hang out together. Yes, and, and you know, and have a sense of humor enough about themselves to take this photo. And we saw that there's there's other photos from over the years too where yeah. they've done the yeah. same thing. Yeah, uh, and uh, and I, you know, there's I think there's some on the internet like that too. And it's like, yeah, like I have no problem with the photo, but I think it's the the problem is thinking about it as like them playing music again, which I think. I would be fucking shocked. I would be so shocked if that ever happened. Yeah, agreed. Same. That's like the one. I think it's funny that they replaced. I just noticed this now. They replaced the uh, certain soft drink companies box with it looks like a tuner. Oh, really? <laughs> yeah. Like if you look at the photo again, that's, yeah. that. Well, I'm sure there's a bunch of other little subtleties that are different, but. Uh, yeah, that that's the one thing I just noticed right now. So clearly they don't have that still kicking around the house, surprisingly. Probably someone stole that. Well, I don't know if that was on the porch. They brought out the board, though, which is neat. Mm. The board is there. like So they propped the board as the photo. Oh, that's cool. Yeah, that's which cool. you've infamously held in your hands. I don't think I picked it up. Um, no, yeah, you, know, I t- you took a photo, right? I took a photo, but I didn't. I don't think I held it. That's a big old ass board. I wish actually. I forgot to ask him what board, like whose board that is. I don't remember whose board that is. If, if he told is. us, yeah, he might have. I may have forgotten. Anyway, we're humble bragging right now. So yeah. what? Uh, the other, I guess, thing. If if we're good on this topic, I'd like. We're to good on this topic. This is a a topic that I'm sure will probably wind up coming up again at some point. Yeah, I just uh, final thoughts. No reunion. I don't think it's ever happening. I'm kind of happy about it. 
they're the best regardless. Yeah. Okay. Yeah. Uh, uh, sidebar, speaking of like legendary, uh, uh, you know, whatever punk hardcore groups or what have you. Um, the other thing I wanted to mention because I'd seen them on a, a late night show recently and it was very good and I have not read it and I'm curious if you have read it, but the beastie boys book is making the rounds. I was given a copy by yeah. someone very kindly while on tour. And so I have started reading it and it is, yeah. I don't have like the big version. It's like the, the, the review version. Yeah. And it is awesome. I wish, I wish this person wrote their name in it because I really want to give them a thank you for this because it was such a good gift to get on tour. We're really in early into the tour, but, um, mm-hmm. it is, it is an awesome, awesome book. Yeah. Whoever you are. Oh, Jeff. Give Jeff. Yeah. Jeff, Jeff in Boston. Shout out to Jeff in Boston. I wasn't there, but I'd like to thank you on behalf of Damien, if Damien doesn't thank you himself. Dude, there's, like, just so much weird random stuff in it, too, like, uh, like just stuff about, like, weird, you know, clock DVA and, like, I don't know, just, like, there's a bunch of cool stuff to read them talking about and, and, and them being into, you know, early yeah. on. And it's a gorgeous book. Like yeah, the, it looks, looks amazing. I've seen some people like, you know, kind of like posting about it, whatever. But I just think like there's no way this won't be amazing. Um, it just they were their late night appearance that I saw was really great. And just even the photos in it, what I'm just like scanning through right now just looks incredible. So I'm uh, I'm anticipating getting it and reading it. I have not acquired it yet, but uh, of course you have it. <laughs> well, I was this mercifully, I was given a promo yeah, copy. Agreed. Yeah. Um, of the proof copy and stuff, yeah. but it's, it's, it's fantastic. It's so great. So Jeff, I appreciate it so much, man. It was great to see you again. And thank you for the book. Yeah. Cool. Um, uh, but yeah, no, definitely pick that up. There's also, there's like, uh, if you, I, I got to show you this book, the, uh, uh, dead from mayhem's archives, the death archives. I don't – yeah, I don't have that. I know the book you're speaking of though, yeah. Thurston Moore just uh, put it out with a static piece. There's like a really cool imprint. I'm reading a great damn book right now as well. At the same time, I'm reading the BC Boys book. It's a great time for punk books. Like there's, a, of course, the Toronto uh, Tomorrow is Too Late book that's yeah. uh, sold out, came out. Officially, yeah. Um, yeah, they're, they're doing another print run of Urban Styles, which is – the uh, the unbelievable book uh, Tony did when he came on the podcast about like yeah. connection between hip hop and graffiti and punk, mainly punk and graffiti, hardcore and graffiti. Uh, yeah, it's it's great. Holidays are coming, so <laughs> support your local bookshop and order some of these books and buy them for your friends and family. Yeah. Um, and uh, uh, also, you know what? I also got the reissue finally of the Capital Punishment record. I do not have that either. Nice. Where'd you get? Like you scored it in a store, or you got it as a gift? Uh, I, I got it uh, as a, a gift from our, our friend Dave Martin. So thank you very much. Oh to Dave Martin. yes. But uh, it is very cool to finally hear the Ben Stiller punk record on vinyl, and it's a beautiful reissue. Um, available now on Captured Tracks, uh, a record that was kind of like discovered by Mike Sniper. So there's a really cool story. Mike Sniper, of course, owns Captured Tracks and goes through the whole story about, you know, finding this record at a sale. It involves, you know, kill by death mastermind, Johan Kugelberg as well. So it's got like, it's got all the key players involved, Chris. Yeah. Nice. 
Um, I like uh, I like the sounds of it. I remember when they were doing little promo stuff that I'd seen, but I'd still yet to hear it. So I, I got to get on that. Yeah, the liner notes make it pretty clear that I don't know how deep Ben went as a head. <laughs> like, well, we'll find out when you interview him. Yeah, hopefully that happens. Yeah. But I would not be surprised if he's like, I don't know how deep I go. Yeah, Which hasn't stopped me in the past, you know. I can, no, exactly. I can bleed punk blood from a stone. <laughs> it's true, <laughs> but yeah, I think that's uh, that's it for news. I'm glad Dave Martin brought you that though. Dave is the best. Shout Dave out is to the Dave. fucking best. Dave Martin is the best. Yeah. Shout out to Dave Martin. Yeah, one of the one of the greatest human beings. Um, you know, it was funny afterwards. Like I was thinking, we're talking in the fucked up van, and we're like, how many people are there that all of us like? It's just like Dave Martin. You can tell by my laughter on that 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 is a very true statement. <laughs> yeah, like it's a band that doesn't agree on much, you know. But we all yeah. we all think that Dave is probably the nicest human being on earth. Yeah, he's great. He also would be a good manager. <laughs> I we I, I was like Tim. I'm like you'd be a great manager because you understand what it's like to be in a band. Yes, and you love music, which is puts you a couple of beats ahead of a lot of managers I've met. Yeah. But at the same time, like you did say, as we've expressed, like you like Dave Martin, right? So why would you put him through that? Dave? Oh, I would never want him to be fucked up, manager. <laughs> yes, I want I him to live a long, happy life. I don't want to subject him to that. Anyway, that was my joke. Slightly, slightly serious, but a joke. One hundred percent real. Though. In jest. In jest. Uh, truth in jest, Chris. Truth in jest. Mm-hmm. Uh, let's uh, let's dive. Yo, in. Si- sidebar, because you, yes. I, I feel like when you mention it, it comes off different. I just want to say again, your new record is great. Oh, if people you. have not heard thank it you, or or are not vibing it, that's fine. It's not, you know, I get that certain people don't like certain things. That's all good. But I've seen from a lot of like very credible people that are also feeling it, and I, I think it's I think it's like really uh, resonating with the people it needs to. So if you have not heard it and you have a mild interest, even I suggest you go get it. And that's my shameless plug because I think it's a really great record. And uh, yeah. That's and like, I I will plug uh, because I'm not play. I appreciate that. Thank you very much, Chris. But I will plug uh, because I don't play on it. Uh, check out that raise your voice, Joyce comp. Yeah, that Jonah uh, did with a bunch of amazing songwriters, uh, women songwriters in England, and it's fucking awesome. Yeah, and also the I think it's the track title, but there's something I think it's either the song or perhaps the the band or fake band name because I can't remember how you guys did it, but. Something's called the Black Cardigans, and I was like, "That's the dopest fucking song title or brand name I've heard in a long time." There, and there's also that song Bastia. I haven't heard it all. I oh, just heard dude, that. it's I, like, I have my tentacles out. I have one that's becoming. It's coming to me from far away at some point, but yeah, I don't have it yet or anything. That song by Bastia, I would I would love to hear a whole record by that band because it is fucking awesome. Yeah. Very um, cool, but I don't play on it, so I can I can plug that uh, guilt free. <laughs> anyway, let's let's begin. <laughs> let's begin on the show. We got two episodes to get into, two yeah. vastly different episodes, but two episodes that really kind of uh, I don't know, like uh, two people that played huge roles in in developing my life uh, unknowingly. Um, clearly, as you can hear from both their reactions on the show. But uh, two people that I think are unbelievably cool to get to talk about, especially because, once again, two people that have uh, very little in common other than the fact that they both identified with punk music at one point in their life. And uh, I guess first we're going to talk about Jesse Brown and then Chris Dodge. Yeah, yeah, sure, whatever. Uh, So Jesse Brown, 
founder of Canada Land, uh, slayer of media Goliaths, uh, also uh, not beloved by a lot of people in media too sometimes, uh, <laughs> controversial among people in media, but like no doubt Canada Land is serving a, a, an amazing public service and has had a lot of success, you know, like a, an unbelievable amount of success as a podcast, as a platform and and really like one of the few kind of like free media type like I mean, like free as in completely open type media outlets that's kind of popped up in the last few years. Um, yeah, they, they've taken on some big challengers, taking on some big challengers right now to kind of get the truth out there. And yeah, Jesse though for me will forever be the editor of Punch newspaper, <laughs> a key uh, pickup for me as a young person and helping steer me on my path to where I am today. Uh, and Chris, I know from talking to you, this did not get outside of Toronto, really. No, it didn't. And I, this, these are it's, and this is a strange one because th these kind of things are my bread and butter. I feel, and somehow this is a huge blind spot for me. But uh, yeah, I don't, I don't remember this, and I don't know if it's because its reach didn't get to my region. I'm not that far out of Toronto, but I guess I'm far enough. Uh, although I was still hearing things like CIUT and stuff like that. So it's kind of bizarre that of all the things, this didn't sort of get further, especially in like that, the nineties era of like, you know, quote unquote, like zine culture being at its height. And there was definitely independent outlets here that carried stuff from out of town. But, uh, yeah, I, I am not like hearing the stories of what you speak of in this episode. I, I was not aware of it intimately though. I never picked up an issue that I could think of, um, or any of that. And it's very weird because there's a lot of the other stuff that comes up like in conjunction with it. Like I vividly remember or like picked up or still have. But yeah, this is one that for some reason, I don't know if it was just somehow regional in that sense where it didn't have any uh, mm -hmm. reach. But yeah, either way, like either way, it's cool and I feel I missed out. But yeah, I, I didn't have any intimate uh, um, familiarity with it myself. Um, but I can tell by your... <laughs> your reverence for it that it was very important and i see why yeah like i think it was it was super cool that here's this guy you know fired from his school newspaper uh going out there and, and basically setting up a rebel newspaper and i think he probably didn't get distroed outside of toronto because I, I imagine he was destroying himself like i couldn't see like you know like outside music who i think did vice for a while or you know like one of these distribution companies picking up the magazine and, and sending out to record stores. Like, I think it was probably just him going around and his friends going around, dropping it off at record stores and in different places. Um, I remember there was like watch magazine, which Jesse also used to work for, for a minute. He was telling me, which mm -hmm. do, do you remember watch did that? No, those, like, I mean, again, perhaps if someone showed me like, I don't know, the letterhead or whatever on some of this stuff, maybe it would trigger something, but by name, no. But the, the weird thing is, again, like, obviously it's, it's sort of a, uh, you know, what, when you're talking about the era of vice that, or he is, or you are, yeah, whatever yeah. it's brought up, like I vividly remember that. And we were getting that now have, they were a, a, a more of a, a giant beast even then, but, yeah. um, but yeah, like stuff like that, even like the kind of indie comic world he talks about, or like the, that stuff is like, yeah, that was all hitting. And I like the beguiling he dropped, I think in it, or you did. Yeah, That's one like, rap that's boy. Place, like yeah, ra exactly. Rap boy. And to me, that kind of reminds me of like, uh, exclaim always entertain that. 
I don't know if it was just that early era of Exclaim. For for listeners, Exclaim, I would assume you know what it is, but if not, it's a, a national, right? Yeah, oh, yeah, definitely. It's, it's Canada's, yeah. I think, only at this point, certainly national yeah. it's uh, a, like, music publication. Yeah, yeah it's so, and it's free. Um, it's free. But they, they used to have, I think they used to have either like a whole comic section or something. I remember more comics in it. Yeah, I yeah, thought. definitely. I remember they yeah. also used to have, I think, I think they Tony Ratboy Walsh did the cover for them one time too. Yeah. So there was that. I remember like that, that aesthetic I can picture even when you bring up the name. Uh, so, but for whatever reason, those, these other things I didn't have any, uh, again, familiarity with, but it's, it's cool. Like everything being referenced and what you're talking about, like brought me back to like, you know, the early nineties and like fondly thinking of things like that. Yeah, no, it yeah, definitely, it was, uh, I remember picking that up, Vice, Watch, all kind of around the same time. Exclaim. Actually, I think I had Exclaim earlier, a little bit earlier than the other ones. But um, those were, you know, just at the time when the information was like, information costs money. Now information is pretty much free as long as you can pay for the access. Yeah, exactly. It's it's free because we're all a part of the machine now. But yeah. (laughs) Yeah, no, exactly. But it's like, but it's, it's, at that point, like, Information costs money. So anytime you got a free publication, especially when talking about punk, yeah, uh, which was happening more and more at that time, like I'd pick it up and just like fiend over it. And this was like his magazine was even better because it was kind of punk. Like it wasn't as punk as Vice was. Yeah. Um, but it also was like, fuck you about schools and teachers and, and principals yeah. and, and places in Toronto that I knew. And it was like, wow. Even though now I like, you know, respect the long suffering work of teachers, um, <laughs> you know? Yes. I know what you're saying though. Like when you're that age, it's, it's yeah. a perfect, it's perfect to, yeah. to get something like that. And I, that's one thing in my area that we never had anything like that. We had like, like zine, mini zine stuff, but never things that were like organized and like talking about, you know, <laughs> school system issues or, Things like that. It would just tip you be your typical sort of whatever teen, preteen rants about being frustrated with school or something. Not quite as uh, um, whatever insightful. Well, we shouldn't have either, right? Like I think that's the amazing thing about what Jesse did is like it was like a glitch in the matrix. Like you're not supposed to t- speak out like this as a young person. Now it's different, I guess, because social media. Everyone can is is has a platform to kind of do this, but at that time. You were not supposed to speak out like this. Well, I think even like when he's talking about his, uh, you know, like the exposing those certain stories early on and, and like really catching heat for it. Um, like th- you can tell that it resonated to a level that you would not expect of, of a high school, you know, quote unquote, zine or paper or whatever. Yeah. And I think that's why it's like amazing. I, that's why I love this episode is to hear his journey where he like walked away from it. It's yeah. like, dude, this is what you were meant to do. This is what you were born to do. And it like, you know, and you hear that it like he resisted it for a long time, but still there's no escape. That's why they call it fate. You can't get away from it. <laughs> yes. But I also think that part of the journey when he discusses that and school and, and going away to Montreal specifically, that paints a picture for people who do not live in this region. Oh, yeah. For, interna- for international <laughs> listeners. That this if you if you really wanted a real real glimpse into like especially nineties or even early two th- early early two thousands but late nineties nineties 
like a glimpse into the life of, you know, Canadian, you know, young adults, you know, entering adulthood perhaps or whatever that are on the journey for subculture or interested in subculture in some capacity. Like that is the there are typically two journeys for for Eastern Canadians, I should say, East Coast, not not Halifax, but this area. And it's that journey and then the other one is the out west journey, right? But that one Everything about his story, I'm like, I knew people that did that, and you know, I know exactly what he's talking about. Yeah, if you were a hippie, you went out west. If you were a hipster yeah. or a proto-hipster, you went out east. Yeah, that's well stated. Um, I never thought about it in those terms, but yeah, that that works. Yeah, that was that the, tracks. It seems like that was definitely like the move at the time. I definitely remember that yeah. very well. Um, yeah, what he's describing, as you say, is like that was that was a lot of our friends – made those that trek and it was the proto hipster kind of era. Um, yep. and it was like running away and joining the circus of the time, which was like running away to join vice in Montreal, not vice yeah, necessarily, or, but like whatever, like go to Montreal to go to Carlton and make movies. Yeah. Because those things were what was bubbling up in the culture, quote unquote, at this time were things like that. Right. And if you think about the hotbed of, of that, whole area you know what i mean and you think about from the early 2000s to mid 2000s what sort of comes about it's you know yeah it makes complete sense what was people going there and doing things at that time not to say it doesn't exist now but it was definitely very very vibrant and so his tale of that is is like yeah i immediately i identified with it i never did that but yeah i, I know it <laughs> well, i think it all i think there was also political and economic factors like yeah a lot of people left quebec um, during the nineties, not a lot, but there were people that left Quebec during the nineties. So rents were pretty cheap Yeah, and you could go to these schools and, and live out this kind of like fantasy life for a little bit. Um, and I don't think it's as cheap anymore. Yeah. I'm not sure. I mean, like, I, I don't know, but yeah, I think that's accurate. I think, I just think that part for people that don't live here, I think is, is, was very, very, uh, yeah. he did a good job of explaining his, he's very articulate with his, uh, you know, explaining his situation. So I thought it painted a very accurate picture of the time and being a person of that age and what you did. Well, and his was like, his was even more perfect because, you know, he ran away and joined Vice, which is like, you know, the thing that, you know, I think everyone fantasized about doing. Um, but then Vice moved to New York. But like, he was there at the beginning of. Yeah, I, I think the quote unquote beginning. <laughs> Well, I guess at first you would just say magazine uh, are extremely interesting, and I think if you isolate that time, I think it's it's uh, it's fair to discuss and think about and, uh, and and revere. But yes, it gets it all gets a little different by it, now. It's it's yeah, and then um, and then I think it was also awesome. He talked about pranks. Yeah, that so that was the other thing. Like the the stuff that really like really colored the picture for me of that episode was the. The indie, well, I, I don't know if you'd call it indie, but you know what I mean, in quote unquote independent comics like the hate thing or eight ball or yeah. the research and prank stuff was great too. Like that, all that stuff, I was like, you know, we always reminisce, and you and I are the kind of people that always reminisce about this sort of thing because it's you know the times are just much different, and and people like you and I, I feel live in this kind of uh, whatever again esoteric kind of stuff or whatever, but like. Yeah, like that. I don't know what exists like that now. And so I always, you know, like uh, guiltily, you know, fetishize it in hindsight. 
And yeah, but I do miss it. And uh, those things that he was touching on, especially the comics thing, because I think now I don't know how many people like really are like not thinking of like, you know, Marvel comics movies and how much that's infiltrated culture, which is true. But I mean, like that sort of, you know, you know, Daniel Close, like he mentions, like stuff like that. You know what I mean? Like, I don't know what that world does now. I feel like that world is the same as like the quote unquote like indie movie world, which I feel like exists, but is very, very unto uh, itself. Yeah. And it's almost like has like only the appeal to the very, very finite people that do. And even people like myself have trouble keeping up with it or, you know, it it doesn't have that, you know, in the era we're discussing it, it eventually reaches out pretty far, but then it kind of retracts again. So I just thought all that was great. I don't know. I, I just thought it was a great, I don't know. Speaking as, you know, I just related to a lot of it. Yeah, definitely. I, th- I feel the same way. I think this was a, a very relatable uh, episode for myself in the same way because, like, I don't know, it, it was such a – especially, like, that time in my life was such an amazing beginning point of discovery. But, like, right up until, like, you know, getting into that research pranks book, finding out about all these people, all these artists, all these, like, you know, thinkers, all these – you know, not so great people in some cases, but like, you know, <laughs> finding out about all this stuff, like it was, it was so exciting for me, you know? And like, I, it, it definitely, um, that's a different time, you know, it's like, yeah, it, it, everything's known, but nothing's known at the same time anymore. Well, I think that the, what, what I like about this era, thinking back in hindsight, as someone who didn't live in any hotbed area or wasn't from a big city, um, the the thing that I think is cool as far as the innocence of looking back on it, being young, is that it just didn't seem to be commodified in the same way that everything is now. Yeah. Which what I like to – you know, and I'm not just saying that as a purist to say everything's wrong now. That's not what I mean. I just mean there was like – there was a genuine innocence to like it being sort of a new frontier in the sense of you didn't really know. At least I felt like you didn't know where it was going or you didn't – it wasn't like a – the, the sort of the rules of it were never, you know, completely defined, which I think is what probably was its undoing for a lot of it eventually. Yep, but, yep. but, uh, I don't know if that exists now. Like, I, I'm sure it does as an older person. Now I, I can't speak on behalf of youth culture officially, but you know, I just think like that's my era. So that's what I can, you know, observe, but I, I don't, I don't, uh, I presently in life don't experience things like that as much, and it's it bums me out a little bit to be honest because I, I I miss that. Not that I yearn for the '90s really, but you know what I mean. Like it was a you know it was a it was a good time for like learning these things. I miss the innocence of experiencing things where you find it out and it just like blows your mind. That's yeah. the stuff I'm, I'm I yearn for. Same here, same here. Well, we're gonna move on, but not very far because we're gonna be talking about the <laughs> '90s as well with this next yeah. one. Yeah, the other part of the nineties. Uh, the other part of the nineties. We got to talk about this next episode because holy fuck, there's a lot to yeah, go yeah. into for this thing. Yeah, yeah. Uh, Chris Dodge, uh, founder of Slapaham, a member of Spaz, member of Trappist, member of Despise You, member of Infest, uh, and member of No Use for a Name. Very reluctantly, from the sounds of it, uh, <laughs> and Sticky as well. Um, <laughs> Uh, so yeah, Chris is someone who, you know, I say it here, I I've always kind of like looked at spaz as being like the beastie boys of hardcore, even though, you know, obviously beastie boys were a hardcore band at one point, yeah. but in the sense that they just like, 
just were cool, like authentically cool and into all the cool shit. But like not because it was cool, just because that's what they were into. And uh, yeah, like I, I'm so excited to have them on the show. Yeah, I thought uh, that exactly what you just said, you more or less said in the interview. And I, I mirror your sentiments. Um, I also think – and it's weird because I think now um, – the, the idea of spaz as a group has a different um uh in hindsight it's it's treated them differently i think it's actually treated them with a bit of a disservice if i'm being completely honest um because i think at the time they were taste making stuff uh that i don't feel that that kind of power power violence thing gets like credit for nowadays mm-hmm. specifically them like i think power violence is is such like a I don't know. It's like almost like its own animal. So people sort of treat it in that way where it doesn't, um, it, it, it sort of doesn't affect the other aspects of whatever this music and culture is, so to speak. Whereas I think in those years, uh, certainly at its, you know, it's an inception and via spaz, I think they were taste making way more. I was, I, I was actually thinking there was two things in hindsight, I wish had happened, and maybe they did, and I forgot about it, or I dreamt it and wish they did. But uh, one was uh, Spaz is a band I could have seen being featured in uh, the Grand Royal magazine. Mm-hmm. Uh, I don't know if they ever were. I'm assuming they were not. But you mentioned the Beastie Boys thing. That's the first thing that came to my mind. Is like I could have totally seen an interview with Spaz and talking about like kung fu movies or something. Like that, that would have made perfect sense. It was kind of just before though spaz would have shown up on the radar. Exactly. Yeah. But I think like I, what I'm trying to suggest is like, there are things now that we take for granted. Like, you know, like Wu Tang is like a a household name now, for example. Right. But in, in these years, like, and again, this is a sort of redundant point, but I'm going to state it nonetheless. Like, Yes, if you were wearing like Wu Tang stuff in this era, which I believe I, I can't remember what stuff they always repped. I don't know if they were like the Wu Tang T-shirt wearing people or whatever. But they were, yeah, definitely. Uh, uh, Ebro too. Yeah, Ebro definitely was. And I, I knew like people that were new in that era. And it's funny, I had a conversation about this last night with another one of your previous guests. But um, but yeah, it's just like that sort of thing you you take for granted now because things are sort of the way they are. But like that was like a really you know, um, not that Wu-Tang weren't popular, but it wasn't a, like, wasn't cool to a lot of people, you know what I mean, to, like, do that and to, like, rep that kind of stuff. And so for that group, like for Spaz, the stuff that they were kind of, like, like he was mentioning, and some of it is just kind of absurd, you know, like, lyrically, but I, I do think, like, they, I, I, there are things I could see. I could see them easily have been, having been in Grand Royal, and I could have seen them uh, easily, uh, like, Supreme doing, like, a Spaz uh, something, so yeah. whatever. That would like, be a so, little ahead, a couple years ahead of Supreme doing that. Yeah, I could still see that happening now. Yeah, I could see Supreme like making a guitar, like that's the same guitar as whatever one of them played. Yeah, and it's like the Spaz guitar, and it's red and it has the Supreme. You know what I mean? Like that's the level of, you know, quote unquote, like the the hallmark that I feel that this group had in that that period. Yeah, they they definitely. Um... It's it's like amazing to think about how many things they were kind of like on the pulse of, but like even like weird places they showed up, right? Like they're on the Gummo soundtrack. Yeah, um, they're, they're like the cool Keith thing, which is definitely you know Dan from Spaz has written about that extensively. You can see that online. 
Um, I, I think I even asked Cool Keith about it one time um, when I <laughs> when I interviewed him on the Wedge. Yeah, how'd that go? <laughs> he, he he had very little memory of them. At the time. <laughs> uh, but yeah, I remember talking to them about it back in the day. Even like it was, it seems like that would like it's funny because like a lot of people reacted when I posted that. You know, just in reference, I thought that was so common knowledge. Yeah. All these people were like, "What?" <laughs> well, I think it's you're dealing with two things where that like, that's another figure that I think you know history has done a slight disservice to. I think like yeah. Keith is like, especially of of a certain era, like is is you know was was a big deal. I, I still think is. I still think it's like a major cult following. Like if I'm, if I'm being perfectly honest, I think like Cool Keith is bizarre, like the new Blowfly. Like that's the mm-hmm. level I think of like the cult status that he is. And uh, it's just, it's funny these things that I don't, I don't know why certain things that resonate, but yeah, the fact that these two uh, <laughs> collaborated at all is, is amazing. And yeah, I, I wasn't until speaking to you recently, like I never knew about that either. I never, I never thought about it or knew about it. Um, it's, it's also funny. Like, you know, they did the 25 to life split. Yeah. Uh, they're on the Fat Records comp. Mm-hmm. That story was amazing, by the way. Amazing. That, that whole um, – this is the, the, the idea of that is hilarious. Like the idea <laughs> just like taking it. Yeah. Uh, I also like – But that – like when he said that, like I could hear Fat Mike saying it because it sounds like – Yeah. Conversations I've had with him. <laughs> exactly. Uh, I'll put it to you this way: uh, there are recent conversations that have come up on this show, namely this one, that deserves like another part of a fat. Mike oh yeah, dude. Because I have, things have come to light. Yeah, like I'm sitting here looking at a copy of the fucking Fat Records letter, <laughs> right? That they denied the existence of. Yes, I just want to say, of course you are. <laughs> yeah. We That's are a punk rock is. label. We're not interested in your dumb ass metal pop, new wave, funky rap, industrial Nirvana, wannabe garage, college rock, etc. Why don't you try some major? <laughs> That's the farting line. Yeah. <laughs> That's no, that's one of them. That's one of the options. Here's another one. You fucking suck. Don't ever send us any more. Uh, sorry, this is not the best uh, scan of this. Uh, any more of your tape because it's a waste of time. Go back to working at McDonald's. <laughs> Maybe see, uh, someday you'll be the fry guy. Wow. That one's harsh. <laughs> um, uh, yeah. The, 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 uh, the, the person who sent me this letter uh, got, you guys are pretty good. We're not interested in putting out anything now, but uh, keep in touch and send us any new material in the future. Wow. That yeah. was really diplomatic, actually. Yeah. Well, that's one of the better options. Well, I wonder, like, the, the idea of those letters, like, because that one, that other one, the middle one was very harsh. So it's like, I wonder if they actually had, like, people listening to it and deciding or it was just random. Yeah, well, this was signed. It seems like that middle one's pretty harsh. <laughs> <laughs> oh, yeah. No, there's definitely like, some you harsh. Don't hate <laughs> they, they were not, they, they, you know, Fat Mike, not known for being the nicest guy sometimes. <laughs> I've had good times with him. No. Regardless, we digress. We're talking about Mr. Mr. Chris Dodge. Yes, we are talking about Chris, but, uh, Mr. Chris Dodge. But that's the thing about Chris Dodge is like we can go to so many places when we talk about him. Yeah, so the one thing really quick I wanted to acknowledge, which you kind of talked about at the beginning and sort of addresses the label thing real quick. But um, 
I thought it was hilarious. That he was talking about the first record promoted was that No Use for a Name when he started working there. I think so was, awesome. Yeah, really, really funny. <laughs> also, I don't know what is going on with the cover art for that record. Uh, very strange still. With the person uh, in the refrigerator? Yeah, just the, it's just weird. Like I, I remember at the time those records were coming out, and the one thing I was impressed with is they looked so like professional. Yeah, like, they looked really good, but like the the actual like art, and this isn't like it's not like uh, it's not executed poorly. It just it's just like I'm just like what like this is the the standing image of your record going forward. Like it just seems bizarre to me. That's always my thoughts on that record. And I remember that record being really blah. I probably still have it. I bought it at the time and just thinking like, oh, okay. And then I heard that earlier stuff, which I like much more. Yeah, like you're right. That is, It looks like a random skateboard graphic at the time maybe. Yeah, it's just it seems really – and because it, it's like – what's it called? Lesha Concarne or something? Yeah. It's just like I don't really – yeah, I don't get it. Like I don't know. Maybe I wasn't supposed to or maybe it's supposed to make no sense. But Is, is Lesha Concarne like milk meat? I don't know, man. I'm not uh, bilingual. I can't tell you. Uh, yeah, we are in Canada. Um, I don't have Spanish in school. Well, I, I, I didn't have Spanish in school. Maybe there, there probably are Spanish classes in school. I'm Let's just looking it up again. Translation. Here it is. Milk and meat. Okay. Then I <laughs> guess it makes sense. Maybe that's why to me it doesn't. But it's just like, I don't know. And even like the back of it, like that guy poking out of the, it does look like a skateboard graphic. Yeah, but like, what is the dude? Is it like a reptile guy? Like, it's what? like a like a it's like a I don't know. It's like yeah, what is that going on there? And then it's supposed to be like a sewer grate as like the image. I don't know. I, we're being like I'm being way too critical right now. I, I just think it was. I just you're right. It's a weird cover though. It is definitely pretty weird. Yeah, yeah. Incognito is a weird cover too. Uh, I'd have to look. I kind of like that came out that I gave, I, you know, admittedly I gave up on that band after that. No, Incognito's the, uh, the Oh, first sorry, record. the earlier one. Yeah, yeah. Um, yeah, well, it's not bad though. That should be a turbo cover, but other than that, uh, yeah, I don't mind that. Um, don't miss the a train. The one I was thinking of was the Daily Grind one, but even that's kind of like corny. I wonder if that thing is, is meant to be the... There's, a, there's not a great drawing on the yeah, cover of the cover. Don't miss the train. Oh, but like you know what? It's like it's like all their album covers lead into each other. Yeah. Right. Like so, you look on Don't Miss the Train, and it's hey, the guys reading the newspaper with the eyeballs popping out of it. Mm-hmm. And then if you look on the back cover, there's that weird thing that lives in the refrigerator with skeleton hands. Yeah. And then so it's like they're like Iron Man Eddie, you know, like yeah. their guy. Yeah, like he's he's skanking on the cover of uh, Daily Grind. Yeah, it's true. So he's like, so we've established he's a really uninteresting Eddie, somehow, I guess, Southern Californian or Bay Area. Yeah, yeah. And I would uh, still put them light years ahead of uh, Unwritten Laws art. Oh, God. (laughs) Yes, we've established that already. (laughs) Anyway, yeah. I just thought the cover's weird. Daily Grind's okay. That cover makes sense. Just Leslie Gacard, I always remember thinking, like, I don't get this. Like, the cover is strange to me. It's very That's strange. It. Like, actually, it shouldn't not just the cover. The art direction as a whole, I don't really get. But yeah. Yeah. It doesn't look terrible. It's not poorly executed. It's just, like, I don't get it. Like, why would you do this? That, And it didn't, like, the rest of the record doesn't really... 
you know, speak to it either. That that's what I was confused about. That's all. No, their best graphic design, a hundred percent, is that first seven inch, which has the Mad Magazine kind of rip off art, um, and then uh, let him out, the slap ham record. Yeah, for sure. Hundred percent. That looks like way better than a lot of their other records. But they they've got the guy. They got the guy from the cover of that one record already on their. Uh, oh, it's a bootleg. Maybe this is a bootleg of the first seven inch. Weird. There's a bootleg of the first seven inch. <laughs> uh oh, Damien has found something. Yeah, I gotta try and track that down at some point. <laughs> yeah, essentially they have a mascot that we didn't even realize they had, mm-hmm. which again is strange. Um, it's also funny that no one from the band, uh, like who would go on. Maybe one member of the original band is in the last lineup. They're like career suicide. <laughs> oh, Tony uh, Sly! Want, Tony Sly was on the seven inch. Sorry. What I wanted is when is uh, fucked up doing a live and a dive. <sighs> I told well, Fat Mike. You know when he told me like we're supposed to do a split with no effects one time, and then he's like, "Yeah, your songs are too long. We decided to do it with a band with better, shorter songs, so we did it with the Spits instead." <laughs> <laughs> Oh, very funny. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> what a fucking asshole. <laughs> just kidding. I would just, I would just like to say 2005 is no use for a name record. Keep them confused. I, yes, I agree. It, it has been confusing. What's the whole that? Time. I got to see that one. It's a terrible cover. It's just like. Yeah, there's some like not great covers. To, but I just mean like they call the record Keep Them Confused. And yes, if I look at your catalog, I'm confused. Not trying to like you know take it to task here, and not to speak ill of the dead either. No, exactly. I just I'm just like I don't. It's they're very confusing this band to me. I've always never had a sense of what they really are, or like what they're about. I I don't really. Yeah. So yeah. anyway, uh, on to other things, if we will. Yes. Uh, so slap a ham. I'm trying to think of the first slap a ham thing I ever got. That's a good. That's a good one. I'm trying to think actually now too. What was the first slap ham record. I, got? I definitely never got any of the the, the super crucial stuff first. That's a, that's a given. But um, I it was got, probably a cap cast seven inch or something. I don't think I got a record first. I feel like I got a CD, and it was like way after the fact. Not way after the fact, but definitely like not. Um, I'm just looking over. I definitely bought Fiesta Comes Alive, but I don't know if that was the first one I bought. I'm just trying to remember the years on these. I'm trying to think of if I got them when they came out. Damn, dude, what a like, run, though. Because definitely, like, Fuck on the Beach, that comp, and then that Burning Witch I have. Yep. And I, I don't know if I got that in 98. Maybe I did. But I have an original of that, so it must have been. I don't know. It wasn't that. It was an expensive record for a minute. Um, arguably still is, I don't know. Um, or whatever. Well, oh, I think I have the Hell Nation war on war with emo five inch. <laughs> anyway, it was either it could have been the Spaz, the last Spaz LP, but I feel like I must have got because how would I have got? I already knew of Spaz, I don't know. Anyway, it was in that era, that like 97, 98 era. That's the first thing I got, would have been in that pocket. Between somewhere between ninety seven ninety nine, I can't remember which one, and then I they got other ones subsequently later. Like the some, I actually don't have a lot of the crucial ones still. Um, 
because uh, either the price or just the fact that I have it. I've tried actually recently almost scored that Infest split, the first one, first release. Yeah, I want that. I don't have that. And uh, you don't have that? No. Wow. I'm no, I know. It's the only Piss Happy Children record I don't have. Uh, but the Neanderthal has been a big want of mine for many, many a year, and I still do not have it. Um, yeah, the crossed out as well. But uh, crossed out no comment in the Neanderthal are my top three from this that I really want that I don't have. The only the ones I need are definitely the first two, the Melvins and the 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 other one. I've got the Neanderthal, got a new surname, name, got Sticky, got Bliarg. Kafkaz crossed out like no comment. Cat, oh, like what a what a run, yeah. Stuff like, um, and then the the one that's like low key never gets talked about, but it's it's fucking killer. Is that um uh mon- monastery and anarchus? Yeah, split. I've never heard this. Never heard it. Oh, it's fucking incredible. Monastery is like a um entomb side project. Oh, nice. Um, and, uh, the, the other ones, uh, the other band's a Mexican, uh, death metal band. Nice. It looks incredible. A grindy kind of band. Yeah. Good. Looking. Yeah. It's a, it's not, it's like through like Chris Dodge and like putting up these records, like, like look at like for aggressive music, like all the bases that are covered there. Yeah. I, I like, and they always had an interesting aesthetic. I think that weird dog cat image is a little weird, but I like the. Yeah, that is a really weird look. I've always thought that's weird, but I like the the slap a ham like bar logo thing. It looks cool. Yeah. The and just the way the the font is or whatever. Like they always had a cool like I don't know. I like labels that can can do that. Can establish an aesthetic, and you see it sort of you know throughout the run. And that's one thing this label like once you kind of tune in on it. I remember the same thing, like thinking, like, okay, yo, like, I need to try and get some of this stuff. So I admittedly still don't have most of it, but the, uh, I think the only one I had, the earliest one, I'm trying to think of what the earliest one I have is. I think it's the weird one. It's like I abhor her. I think it's my early, oh, I might have that rupture, actually, now I think about it. That rupture is incredible. And maybe one of those ca- capitalist records, I can't remember. But yeah, okay, so I have a few of the, and I must, I must have that spaz seven inch actually. Um, yeah, like I've got, uh, as I say, I've got, I want to get a complete run of this label. This would be a fun label to try and collect it, collect everything. Not all the versions, obviously, cause that would make you mad. <laughs> yeah. But, um, yeah, like, you know, I need that gob wink, wink Martindale split still. What is that? Is that the gob? Like, no, that's the other gob that yeah, was beefed like, with the Toronto gob. I think this guy was from Arizona, Reno, Nevada. Sorry, that's so weird that there are two gobs. Yeah, and they and, and they were like, uh, and the 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 gob, you know, the made the gob from the states made fun of the Canadian gob, so the <laughs> Canadian gob challenged him to a hockey game or something ridiculous. <laughs> oh yeah, I think this is the gob that actually ran the Satan's Pimp label. Oh, weird. Um, which put in a lot of power bond stuff. So let's let's because you are a connoisseur of this and you talk to about it a lot this label. I want you to give the uh, I suppose the top five might be easy, but for listeners who are new, 
who do not know where to begin, where would you steer them on five releases of this label? It's kind of really assuming they had money to buy it all and whatever. Yeah, like if you're if you're going for the Palamon stuff, like you know, like uh, it would be that Neanderthal, the first capitalist casualties or the second capitalist casualties, even um, crossed out. Uh, you know that Spaz record, uh, that Rupture record. And man, like, yeah, but then, but then if like, if I was just going to go like overall, I'd say that I hate God 13 split. Uh, I would also put in the, uh, that Fu Manchu record, that Melvin's flipper covers record is pretty ridiculous for me. I feel like the Melvin's ones, like, it's so cool. They did it, but I feel like you kind of got to isolate it off because the Melvin's are such their own planet that it doesn't need, like, it's obvious. It's so cool that this happened. Like, I feel like it doesn't, you know what I mean? It doesn't detract from the label at all, but it also doesn't help it in the sense where it doesn't really. Yeah, yeah, they're, yeah. They're such their own planet that it's like they're they're almost, they're, well, they are larger than Slapaham, arguably. But yeah. I just mean, like, it's such a bigger thing. You know what I mean? Yeah, no, I know what you're saying. But I think for me, it, I, like, I think it's cool because it, like, it's what links. What would be your picks for the best records on this label? Well, I kind of and the kind of name Neanderthal is always one I think of first. Like that's the one that always, like when someone says this label, the first thing that comes to my head is the cover of that Neanderthal record. Um, so it's probably my, but it's also because it's a major. It's been a major want of mine. So I can't tell if it's that or, or it's just is legitimately my favorite. But yeah, so I'm going to say that. Then I'm going to say the crossed out, the ninth release. The no comment, the eleventh release. What's that? What am I at? Three now? Yeah. Uh then I'm gonna say Ooh, it gets tough from here because there's a few I guess you'd obligatorily I'm gonna say the spaz like you did for sixteen, because that sort of has to be said, I believe. Yeah, like the I don't even think the spaz first seven inches is the best spaz record, but like no, yeah. it's kinda I mean, like so iconic. Yeah, that label. and that's four. And for the fifth one, I I'm just gonna that thirteenth I hate God is a great vibe, but I'm not gonna name that. Uh, I'm just trying to go down. I'm gonna try and pick a later one. You know what? I'm gonna go way kind of posery cornball on this, although it's not possible with this label, arguably. But I'm gonna pick the Fiesta Comp because I think the Fiesta Comp is one that you will come across all the time. And if you were to think of an era. Whether you were happy or annoyed, mm-hmm. that is a record that encompasses this too. So that's going to be my fifth one, number forty. Yeah, I think it, now now you got me thinking about like late era records. I would definitely pick for the late era one, like that lack of interest record from two thousand sixteen. I think is the last record they put out. They put one out that late? Wow! Yeah, oh, yeah they did. Holy shit! It's like a repress, but maybe it came out when it came out originally. Uh, I don't know. But I like like the like again. I like those fucking the beach records. Ninety nine, sorry, came on ninety nine, sorry. Yeah, but I like those fucking the beach records. Those are later. The crossed out comps, great. You know, those are later ones. Mm-hmm. Uh, I like the last spaz record. I haven't heard it in a long time, but like I remember really liking it when it came out. Yeah, I love the last spaz record when it came out. I love and that. And the record cover so of that record is kind of like symbolizes it. Yeah. For me, the cover of this record, although it's a bit cartoony, but it has a bit of like a, a graffiti aesthetic. And it's like, I remember this is like 
back when I used to really like, and I guess I still do this a little bit, but not as much when you would like dissect like, like a, whatever, like a record or CD you got. This was one that was always perplexing to me because I had so much going on. Yeah. That I'm just like, okay, well hold on here. Like, it's like, okay, clearly these guys are like Californian, you know, whatever aggressive music dudes, but like they look like they like rap and they, they like reference rap and it's got like graffiti stuff and it's got like Japanese nods on the label. It's just like, yeah. So it, it, this one got the, 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 whatever the, it just made me want to know more. Yeah. <laughs> and so I, I would say like the, this record, like this, uh, whatever, this release is particularly poignant as far as aesthetically serving what we're talking about. Yeah, no, I agree. I agree. What about off the disc records? I was so stoked to get to talk about that. <laughs> yes. I uh, do not have much off the disc, sadly, but yes, I am aware. Mainly because of the infest thing is what I always think of when I think of off the disc. But um, you guys went through it, so I'm trying to pull it up right now to dissect some of that with you. Yeah, because there was something you mentioned in the interview, and I didn't remember that they did. Uh well, the Morbid Angel, I didn't know. That's wild. Um, oh, it was the Red Fisher. When you guys brought that up, I was like, what? Like, I had no... Because I think I have this record. I need that record. Maybe I... I don't know. I might have this. It's been a long time since I looked through my, my the R section of my 7 inches, but I'll, I'll, I'll search for it. And I will contemplate giving it to you should I have it. How did uh, that happen? Like, how do you think dude, that... Like, yeah. like, it's just like the most random outlier in that label's discography. Like, a, yeah. a great band. Important yeah. band. I got I wish I got to interview someone from Red Fisher. Yeah. <laughs> I agree. And then they'll um, be like, oh, that's a different Red Fisher. <laughs> they'll be like, oh. No, I don't... Let me see here, though. It seems to be the same unless it's been attributed. Oh, it's been no. attributed. I don't know. It's been attributed to that. Yeah, true. But maybe it isn't. Well, let's see. Does it list anything where it was recorded? Do, 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 do. Yeah, no, that's them. Manitoba, Canada. That's wild. Wild. That is wild. That one, like, it's the, this is what this podcast lives for is moments like this where it's like, how did that happen? Yeah. And like, why does that exist? And its absurdity, in a way, is the is kind of the best thing ever at the same time. Yeah. Um, so yeah, that was the one that got mentioned that I wasn't aware of. And looking at the record now, I feel like I'd probably own this, but <laughs> I have to go look. Um, the other one is this like this has got to be a different shutdown, I would imagine. No, this is not the same as the victory. Yeah, that's shutdown. a different shutdown. It's got to be. Yeah. Because I'm like, what? I didn't think they were long around that. But long. sleep. That's a real sleep. Yeah. This label's got an interesting run as well. I mean, I think like, Citizens Arrest, too. Is that the same label or is someone falsely? I think it's the same label. Because 2010, they still did records? Warden. Yeah, I guess it is. Weird. Um, but anyway, the one that I always think of with this label is the the Infest Slave, which is essential that I still don't own. Yeah. But, uh Yeah. Very cool the, label. That's the only record where I'm glad I have the repress more than the original because the repress has got that crazy fucking half record where like half is green, half is blue. The repress of it. Hold on. What are you talking about? Let me see here. I'm trying to look it up. There's like a deep, second press. Deep, the deep six one or the off the disc? No, no. It's off disc. Off the disc had two pressings. One's like quasi 
unofficial, but what they somehow did is the A side is blue and the B side's green. Oh. I'm not looking at it right now, so maybe I have the colors fucked up, but something like that. Huh. It's the wildest split color record I, I've ever seen. You're right. I'm looking at it right now. <coughs> Let me just see here. It is second pressing, solid blue, two-color version, which had one side toothpaste, the other side turquoise. It lists here. Yeah. Huh. Limited to 100 copies. Yeah. And I don't know how they did it. Yeah, that is strange. I've never seen that either. Well, actually, there is a way that you could do it because when you see them, like if you've ever watched the record pressing things, if the puck is made in a way where the color is separated like that. Yeah. yeah, you're right. Like you put like one puck down for the A side and but put that, on like, either side of the stamper. How annoying would that be if you worked? Oh my god! Like working there, having to set up that record a hundred times, doing that nonsense. You, you probably were like, "I'm making one of the most important hardcore records." <laughs> I have a feeling they weren't thinking that. But like, yes. I'm defining the next era of hardcore sonically. <laughs> I got to do like, this. Like if that were happening at Third Man, like now that makes yeah, sense. Yeah. But like back then, in ninety or eighty-eight, pardon me. Um, no, I'd have a feeling it's not not, not the thought. <laughs> oh man, yeah. there's a lot more to uh, dissect with this episode. Um, but uh, I think I think I we should leave it for here right now, if you don't mind, Chris. Yeah, not a problem. Um, and uh, I gotta I gotta go make dinner for the kids. Well, hey, that's what happens when you're a dad, right? I tell you, that's what does happen. But this has been a lot of fun. I wish we could well, let's let's uh, put a tack in this, but we gotta we gotta or pin it, I should say. Uh, but next week we're gonna have a monster of an episode. Yeah, agreed. And we also we will hopefully revisit some of these topics based on the uh, mailbag that is yes, up. yeah. Like write in, give us your top slap ham records. Write in. Uh, tell us all about whatever you want to talk about off the disc records. Of course, is, is always a welcome topic around here. <laughs> uh, but next week it's the guy that got me in a punk, uh, in a real way, Thurston Moore. Um, and, uh, it is, you know, if you ever want to hear Thurston Moore talk about the fast, then this is the right podcast for you next week. <laughs> <laughs> the five of you out there. Yeah. Have you, ever, have you ever been like, what's it like hearing Thurston Moore talk about hearing Finnish hardcore for the first time? Well, <laughs> I got you. <laughs> nice. Uh, it's, it's an amazing episode. There's a lot of incredible stories like Richard Hell trying to lick the back of his hand to stick the stamp on Thurston Moore's hand to sneak him into CBGB's the first time he went to CB's. Like, incredible. There's some wild stuff in it. We'll have a lot to talk about next week, Chris. But, uh, that's it for me. Uh, anything else you want to add? No, I think the only thing I want to say on the bat, well, I do. I guess I do, yes, want to add one thing in a humorous way, which is if you're talking about, like, this is the podcast for you, we got you, or the one you your interview. Yeah. I think, like, imagine you have an audience, like, like you're performing a concert, except it's you, you know, interviewing Thurston Moore, and the whole time, like, this fast topic comes up. And there's like some really infuriated people at the back of the room that are just yelling like Daydream Nation because they're so fed up that you're not getting there. He talks about Daydream Nation. We talk about Daydream Nation versus Sister yeah, uh, a little bit too. But uh, no, this is like Thurston was there at Ground Zero for Punk and, and Ground Zero for hard, New York Hardcore. And and it's it's amazing to kind of get that story, especially for, you know, from him of all people. Like I could be talking to him about being on the fucking Simpsons, you know. But yeah. like this podcast is about putting together the minutia, yeah. and 
my God, do we put some together next week? Yeah, we're not here for Daydream Nation. Get out of no, here! No, no, no. This is a this is this is strictly this is the master class. Yes, this know? is the split with Ayamatsuka. This is the podcast for that. <laughs> yeah, this is this is like the confusion is sex uh, neutral pressing. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. Exactly. You know, we're not coming here. We're not coming here with even like an SSD SST repress. No. No. You know? um, but yeah, no. This has been a lot of fun as always, Chris. Thank you for uh, hanging out and and chatting, and uh, you know, on your own show. But uh, um, yeah, and I'll see you next week. Yeah, for sure, dude. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it. Every time. And if you love the filet of fish right now you can catch two of the classics you love for just $6. Limited time only. Price and participation may vary. Cannot be combined with any other offer. Single item at regular price. Ba-da-ba-ba-ba.